podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Stressed about your bladder? You're not alone. Millions of women are affected. Bebron's Divine is the solution. An intervaginal medical product, easy to use like a tampon, completely invisible, with daily continence control, giving you the freedom to laugh, cough, run without leakage. Divine is available online at lloydspharmacy.ie and in stores nationwide. Take control with Divine. Hello and welcome to Talking Point. And um, my name is Henry Valentine, and we'll just jump straight into it because Finley Peralta, we have a Spanish Grand Prix that we can actually talk about as being entertaining. I know. Doesn't that feel good to say? It's been, I think it's literally been since uh, last time was 2016 that we had a decent Spanish Grand Prix. But I mean, by that race's standards, that, that was a, yeah, yesterday was a real thriller. It was um, Hamilton against Verstappen yet again, but it was um, it was something where you know strategy really played a part, and it did look like two cars just going toe to toe throughout the whole race. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what that's what made the race interesting. Really, was because you know it's it, it's a track that's so difficult to overtake on. Um, I mean, ridiculously so. That, but luckily there was an alternate strategy, which um, well, not just Mercedes, quite a few teams ended up taking. And yeah, it made things a bit mixed up throughout the grid. Really, gave you know some some cars considerably stronger pace than others. And yeah, you just wish that two stops were kind of the the better option at more races mm-hmm. after seeing that. Really, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it just it just makes it like much more entertaining for all of us because if everyone's on a one stop, then you know it's kind of predictable. And if um, and overtakes can really only happen when uh, when pit stops sort of go wrong really which is which isn't what anyone wants to see but uh, we'll start at the beginning and uh, before we even talk about the race we I think we have to talk about Lewis Hamilton's 100th pole position I mean did did you or anyone think that would ever be possible in Formula One no it's it's a huge number isn't it I mean but we get this all the time with Hamilton now where he just breaks a record that you thought would be impossible to break and then gets goes further you know I mean even getting breaking the record for pole position is one thing, and then hitting 100 is just, yeah, it's mind blowing. It's uh, just such a big number. <laughs> mm. uh, well, yeah, <laughs> uh, David Croft on um, Sky F1, he uh, he came up with a brilliant stack. Uh, it's at 9.6% of every single Formula One Grand Prix that have ever taken place has had Lewis Hamilton on pole position. So almost for every one in 10 races in Formula One history, he has started at the front, which in itself is mind blowing. Yeah, that that is crazy, really. Yeah, it really puts it into perspective just, just how good he's been. I mean, and I get that he's done a lot at Mercedes where he's had the, the strongest car, but he's done it wherever he's... He did it in McLaren as well, where he didn't always have the most dominant car. He did it in Mercedes when, you know, I mean, 17, 18... And even 19, Ferrari was still really strong in qualifying with their dodgy engine. You know, I think Leclerc, mm. I think Hamilton, you know, Leclerc took a lot of pole positions that year. So it's not like Hamilton has always had the best car on a Saturday either. No, not at all. But there, there are some laps where you just sort of sit back and think, wow. I mean, like the obvious one, like say Singapore 2018, yeah. like that was just like just inch perfect throughout the entire lap and and for him to like to outclass like Sebastian Vettel in the Ferrari that was clearly faster that that's just 
a sign of how amazing like he is with it really and um and same with um with Styria last year you know, 1.2 seconds clear of everyone else which you know just just beggars belief really yeah yeah Singapore's always the lap I come back to when someone says like oh it's not Hamilton it's the car just like just just watch that qualifying lap it's I mean any time that we tweet it out on the planet f1 twitter account it does like you know good numbers because people just watch it and you know i think everybody acknowledges just how good that was it's probably i don't think it's an andreto it might be right up there with the best ever laps in formula one yeah i was just thinking center around monaco that sort of yeah, thing as well yeah. and and it's probably the most difficult track to drive on the calendar Singapore like right up there with Monaco as well and that that lap in particular was just incredible but yeah if you wanted a lesson how to drive a Formula One car just look at that and um and probably Hamilton's drive yesterday actually because even though he uh, he got jumped at the start by Verstappen you know who got his elbows out again so similar to Imola um the way he he battled back and came back through the field well not back through the field but with um with his team strategy you know it just just shows you know how how good he still is in that car yeah i i did my driver ratings gave him nine out of ten not a ten because i don't think it was the perfect drive just for that start i do wonder if he was he was a bit slow off the line but it wasn't an awful getaway by any means but he was quite uh quite kind to Verstappen I thought letting him barge through at the start I mean it's probably good he was otherwise they would have taken each other out because I don't think Verstappen was moving but um yeah Hamilton did leave him quite a lot of space I think um but yeah after that I mean there was a point because it's so difficult to overtake there you kind of thought it was difficult to see Hamilton winning it but as soon as Mercedes put him on that on that two-stop strategy as soon as he came back out on those fresh fresh mediums there never really looked like a point where it was like oh he's going to struggle to close this gap actually he was so consistent every lap you know a second odd every lap just catching him that's it he had um uh, he had 24 seconds to make up in 24 laps in that in that final stint and he i'm pretty sure he did it with about 10 laps to spare i'm sorry no seven laps to spare which in itself is just like ridiculous like that that tired delts that pace advantage and for him to uh, to carry that through every single lap you know it's it's stuff of champions really yeah yeah it, it really is it's uh I think it's just a consistency that I think is so impressive you know I mean mm. in that car I'm sure every driver on the grid could probably set 10 fast laps you know out of 24 but he didn't really have a bad lap I mean even going through traffic even even clearing his teammate which we'll, we'll look at in more depth in a second I'm sure <laughs> Um, but nothing slowed him down, you know, nothing rattled him, which, yeah, I mean, like you said, 24 seconds and 24 laps, he needed to have pretty much every lap to be good. And it was. Which, yeah, is just absolutely crazy. But um, going back to the start for a second, um, Hamilton said after the race that he uh, he bailed out effectively just because uh, he knew that him and Verstappen would crash if if not. And um, even though it's only the fourth race, that sounds like experience coming through and thinking that he's playing the championship game already. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what's been so, so impressive about Hamilton in the last, since 2017, really. You know, I think since um, Rosberg and him, took each other out in Spain in 2016. I think mm. Hamilton's just been such a clean driver generally. Um, I mean, obviously there's been occasions like, you know, taking out Alex Albon a few times, which wasn't great, but generally he's been such a clean driver and his racing has been so kind of fair and he's always left space for a driver. I mean, you know, if you imagine 
at the start, that wasn't Lewis Hamilton and that was Michael Schumacher. I'm pretty sure him and Max Verstappen would have taken each other out, Mm. you know? Uh, There's just some drivers that just don't give an inch. Um, And, you know, you could say that's kind of like maybe a bit of a weakness because Verstappen knew that he'd be able to barge past and Hamilton would leave the room. But at the end of the day, that's a better way of racing, I think. It's a fairer way. And Hamilton can still win doing it. So, you know. Well, yeah, that's it. He um, he still showed that even though he lost position at the start, that they, they found a way to, to get back at him in the end, which, which if anything is, is probably more of a show of, um, of talent than just, just ramming him off the road. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, I do think Mercedes probably deserve most of the credit still. I mean, it, for, for the win, as much as, you know, Hamilton's drive was incredible. It was that, that strategy from Mercedes was just, it was genius really. I mean, I don't think Red Bull even considered it. And it took them by surprise as well, because, I mean, before Hamilton came in, he was already quicker than Verstappen. You know, he was already closing Verstappen down. So um, it was a massive risk, you know, going from having your car about half a second behind the leader to putting him 24 seconds behind the leader. It's uh, it's a big call, but yeah, it, it paid off. And it's just, it shows just why that team is, well, the most successful, you know, the, the most dominant team in F1 history. And um, for context as well, uh, Verstappen was brought in first in the first round of stops as well. He came in on lap 25 and Hamilton managed to eke his tyres out until lap 29. So he was already on fresher rubber. And then for Mercedes to take that gamble and pit him again, uh, it did raise a few eyebrows. But um, but Max Verstappen's race engineer, Jean-Pierre Lambiassi, was, uh, was straight on the radio saying it's like Hungary 2019 all over again, which yeah. it turned out to be. Yeah, and it is strange that Red Bull literally told him that and didn't think, hmm, maybe we should pit him actually. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I, 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 they only really had one opportunity, though, didn't they? They had to pit him uh, the lap after Hamilton pitted, so forty-three, and then he still he, he he still would have come out ahead at that point with equal slash one lap fresher tires. So, I guess they must have just been really confident that Mercedes had a faster car there. It was kind of a split second decision, though, because uh, if if they were going to do it, it had to be the lap after, because otherwise, you know, he'd have been jumped for track position anyway. So they probably just uh, took the approach of just saying, right, track position's key here. So let's just go for it. I mean, a a lot could have still gone wrong. You know, a lot could have still led to Verstappen winning the race. I mean, there could have been a a safety car. Hamilton could have had some issues with traffic. Obviously, Mazepin did block him uh, Mm. slightly at one point, but Hamilton generally... Generally, it was all right going through traffic, actually, which is kind of surprising at a track like that. But yeah, it all just went right for him and Mercedes. Uh, well, one car uh, in that sort of line of traffic was his teammate, Valtteri Bottas, who was uh, obviously running a different strategy. Um, you'd be pretty certain that he was asked to get out of the way, but he didn't. Yeah, that was entertaining to see, I think. It, a, a lot of fans have been waiting for that for a long time, just to see Bottas show a bit of you know, um, a bit of defiance to the team, I guess. It's interesting, I think, that it's come now after all this. I think, you know, it's finally kind of after well, five five years, he's finally kind of getting a bit a bit tired of this kind of role of playing second fiddle. I don't know, but you look at it, you think, was it really a good decision? I mean, all he did was annoy his team and he didn't even... Hamilton still breezed past him i mean hamilton probably didn't even realize that bottas was trying to hold him up that's how comfortably he made it 
Yeah, he did. And he, he passed it down at turn 10. Bottas didn't really offer much for defence, but at the same time, he, he he didn't plan on giving that position up, which um, which in itself um, probably uh, says more than anything else about his position within the team for next year. If he's uh, if he's going against what the team want him to do, it does make you wonder if he's, uh, if he's already thinking about yeah. his contract at the end of the season being uh, not renewed. Yeah, I mean, that's his biggest appeal, right? Bottas is a good number two. He doesn't cause problems. He lets Hamilton kind of be as good as Hamilton can be by not getting in his way. Uh, And if Bottas isn't doing that, then why is he a better option than George Russell? I don't think an outright pace he's better than Russell, is he? And he's older. So if Bottas starts doing this, I think it becomes quite a no-brainer for Mercedes, really. Yeah, well, I think a key stat within that is um, yesterday was his 50th podium for uh, for Mercedes, but only nine of those podiums have been wins. So he's been on the podium 41 times. He's been picking up constructor championship points, but he just hasn't really been uh, been bothering Hamilton too much or no. very often. No, I mean, since since he joined Mercedes in 2017, Max Verstappen's won more races than him. In often worse cars. In Yeah, usually worse cars. So... Yeah, I think that 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 says it all. Really, he's he is a good number two, but he's not. And I think after after the whole thing with Hamilton v. Rosberg, that's probably exactly what Mercedes wanted. You know, they didn't want all that drama again. I mean, you know, Hamilton and Bottas have never you know, never come together seriously. I'm sure they've clipped a few times here and there, but nothing major. So yeah, that's like I said. I think that's the main appeal of him, and it looks like that appeal's going. <laughs> Yeah, which um, which doesn't really bode well for him. But on the contract front as well, Lewis Hamilton came out after the race and he said uh, that he wants a contract for 2022 sorted by this summer. Obviously, for, uh, for the 2021 season, it was um, it was sorted over Christmas and um, like time was running pretty, pretty close to, to pre-season before he was um, he was sorted. But for him to state his intentions early that he's going to be staying in the sport. Um, hopefully, and getting getting something sorted by the summer is um, is probably one of the key points of um, the so called silly season out of the way early. I think that kind of confirms that Bottas is going to go because, in my eyes, I thought that Russell's guaranteed to go to Mercedes, and it's just mm. whether it's going to be for Hamilton or Bottas. You know, if Hamilton goes, uh, retires, then we probably have Ru- Russell Bottas next year at the team, but yeah. Looking at the other F1 teams then, uh, behind uh, the Mercedes and Red Bull of um, Hamilton, Verstappen and Bottas again was uh, was Charles Leclerc in the Ferrari. What a weekend for him. Yeah, yeah. I think he was my my driver of the day personally. I think he became he came third in the official uh, poll for driver ratings behind Hamilton and Verstappen, which is kind of fair. I mean, Hamilton and Verstappen did both drive pretty incredible races. But yeah, for me, Leclerc was the standout. I mean, in qualifying of the F, get used to it now him doing that just sticking at second row of the grid um ahead of Perez ahead of the midfield in the race I mean he was even better got ahead of Bottas at the start obviously which around the outside of turn three as yeah. well as bold yeah it's Fernando Alonso-esque it was a uh, yeah great movie just had so much more grip yeah which in turn kind of ruined Bottas's race and um, getting stuck behind Leclerc for so long and then and yeah I mean he lost out to Bottas but he was so far ahead of the rest of the midfield who I, I mean if you look at the machinery, he didn't have a car that was that much better than than the McLarens, especially, and his teammate. So, yeah, it's just another really impressive race. And you just look at it and you just wish Leclerc had machinery to fight Hamilton and Verstappen, really. 
Yeah, they're not too far off though, Ferrari. They're, they're looking much more competitive and even more so as the season goes on, really. They're, they're, they're definitely making steps forward overall. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, not only from last year to this year, that's obvious. But like you said, within this season, they are making, I mean, this was the first race weekend, I think, where they comfortably did look faster than McLaren. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they've got the third fastest car on the grid again. They're kind of back to where they were 2019 sometimes depending on how many straight lines there were on a track um <laughs> so yeah it's going pretty well and you just hope that it it continues but i mean they've got the resources haven't they to focus on this year and next year simultaneously so yeah hopefully they keep developing it and maybe we'll see them in the mix for a, some podiums later on this year that'd be good to see really would um and on the the ferrari front as well for um for carlos signs obviously looking like he had better better machinery um he couldn't quite get past daniel ricardo he had a much better weekend for mclaren yeah yeah in terms of signs i think it was like quite a few drivers really in that the start just just hurt ruined his race you know it happened mm-hmm. with bottas and perez as well really once you get stuck behind a car it's just so difficult to to get past and i think perez was uh signs rather was behind ricardo i think he was stuck behind ocon for a fair while as well which lost him a lot of time so yeah um not a bad race on his part though by any means i don't think it's just a hard track to overtake and you know the ferrari isn't world you know isn't massively quicker than the mclaren so yeah it's not a bad result but um yeah ricardo was just oh that was so good to see again you know, it felt like the Ricardo that we all know and love was back, really. Mm. Um, the first three races, he's kind of feels like it's kind of a, a a diluted version of him on track. He hasn't quite been as good as we're used to seeing. But yeah, I mean, all weekend in Spain, he comfortably better than Lando Norris in qualifying, comfortably better throughout the race. And yeah, it's it's a relief more than anything, I think, just to see that he's he's back again and he's still got it. Which I mean, obviously he did. He's not going to lose it over a over a winter break. But yeah, it's just a relief to to see for sure. Absolutely, and for um, for him to, I mean, obviously he's uh, he's three one ahead in the qualifying um, head to head between him and Lando Norris. But at the same time, but Norris had completely outpaced him in all the races so far. And um, where Ricardo was asked to move over for uh, for Norris in in Imola, that that favour was returned in uh, in Spain. Yeah, the team's working really well. I mean, I think they're still the only team that have um, scored points with both cars in every I race. So, yeah. I believe. Yeah, it's going really well at the moment. I think there's a part of me that thinks, oh, that's going to be a really interesting inter-team battle between Ricardo and Norris. But because of the fight with Ferrari, I'm not sure we're ever really going to see them battle it out. I think they're going to, the team's going to be too focused on fighting Ferrari to actually let them fight amongst themselves. So, yeah, but I don't know. It, it, at this point, who do you reckon ending the season with more points? Norris, Ricardo? It's, it's so hard to tell, isn't it? I mean, obviously Norris has had that that brilliant start um, to the season, but you, you know, over the course of the season, if uh, if Ricardo can continue at his best, uh, like like he, he showed in Barcelona, then there's no reason why he, he can't chase it down and overhaul him. But at the same time, for both drivers to be performing, that's um, that's really good news for them. The constructors' championship because getting P3 with um, uh, with new regulations coming, it's going to be very important financially for the team. Yeah, I think I don't know. I said Ricardo before the season would comfortably get the bike better in Norris. And I don't think that's the case now, obviously, but mm. I'm going to stick by my guns and say that he's still going to be 
he's still going to beat him. Um, yeah, P3, I mean, obviously that's what they want. They got it last year. They've got a better engine this year, but I don't think they'll get it. I think Ferrari are already slightly quicker, and I think, I, I, I don't know, I kind of think McLaren are closer to their full potential than Ferrari are at this point. I could see Ferrari developing more and getting a bit of a gap there. But um, yeah. either way, it's, you know, really good season for both of them at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And both McLaren drivers said after the race that their car still feels a bit tricky to drive. So you, you do wonder, it, as you say, it's probably more a case of uh, finding the right setup rather than uh, the uh, the car itself being developed throughout the season because obviously 2022 is going to be so important. Yeah, it's a weird one. How important is P3 this season compared to having a good car next season? I mean... There's a lot of calculations going on, I imagine, at the moment in well, in every team. And logically, every team is going to lean towards 2022. I mean, even Ferrari have said they're doing that. So, yeah, still a long season ahead, though. And uh, looking a little bit uh, further down the standings as well, uh, Sergio Perez um, came back from PA on the grid to finish fifth. Um, he was apparently nursing nursing a shoulder issue on Saturday, which affected his qualifying. But again, he, he just couldn't quite just work his way through the field quickly enough. And, uh, you know, he, he's admitted himself that he's finding that it's taking him too long to get up to speed at Red Bull. And is this just the second seat at Red Bull curse striking again? Yeah, I think I think it's definitely been better than Albon was, to be fair. Um, oh, 100%. Yeah. But really, his his qualifying not only cost him a, a shot at a good race, but it cost Red Bull the win, you could argue, because not having him near the front gave Hamilton complete freedom in terms of strategy. You know, I think if Perez was there, if Hamilton was to fall behind Perez as well as Verstappen, if he pitted for the second time, um, then it would have become a completely different matter. You've got Hamilton trying to overtake two Red Bulls. Well, one, it, it would, you know, be more cars on the road for Hamilton to pass. But two, it means Red Bull could split their strategy. You know, they could just do exactly what Hamilton did with one of their cars. Um, and it wouldn't really be a risk because they've got the other one staying out on a one stop. So, yeah, they, it, it really showed that they desperately need Perez up there at the front if they're going to fight Mercedes. Because, I mean, say what you will about Bottas, but he's never far off. I mean, he's what 10 seconds odd, which is... Not a massive gap, really. So they had the chance to keep him out in pit Hamilton. Yeah, I think Perez. I mean, if it was all qualifying at this track, wasn't it? It's it cost him because I mean, a track where it's so difficult to overtake, finishing three places up and where you started isn't actually a bad effort. Also, the only issue is just he started so low down, you know, um, mm. and it was never really going to be. Uh, you look at it there, and if he passed Ricardo at the start. They need to be right behind Bottas. So that's it. Well, it, 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 it took him until lap 46 to pass Daniel Ricciardo, which I don't know if it was um, a sign of strength of Ricciardo's race or just uh, how tricky Perez was finding it out there or just a combination of the two. Yeah, I think a bit of both. I think Ricciardo defended really well, um, but it's just so difficult to overtake. I mean, Bottas was, Bottas was stuck behind Leclerc for the entire first stint and he only got ahead uh, via the pits, you know? So... Yeah, you, this track is frustrating in that regard. You just wish that straight <laughs> was a bit longer or they, they got rid of that, that that windy final sector and made it a bit more like Portugal where you can pick up mm. a bit more speed going onto the pit straight. But yeah, it's um, I mean, Perez can't afford that qualifying again in Monaco, can he? 
no, not at all. Which um, you know, <laughs> you, you hope for his sake that he um, he picks it up because he's he's such a, a popular driver as well as uh, um, as well as being talented. I mean, obviously a race winner now as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't think there's any doubts about his ability now. I think it might just he's it's taken a while for him to get to grips with the car settling, but I mean, we know it's a difficult car to drive. And to be fair, we are only four races in, and he's yeah. already got three top five finishes from four races i mean yeah it's not awful is it it's, it's, <laughs> it's not great but it's not a bad start by any means i don't think yeah that's it face value is not too bad at all i think the the main issue has come from just the, the actual time difference between him and verstappen but you would you would hope that that'll um that'll even out in uh, in a few races time but another team to have a good weekend was alpine um esteban Ocon out qualifying fernando alonso for a third race in a row and i don't know how many people saw that coming no, definitely not me. I mean, he's just making him look average, isn't he? Which is, mm. you never, ever thought that would happen with Alonso, especially, I mean, when he left the grid in 2018, I would have backed him against anyone on the grid in the same car. You know, I, yeah. I, I'd have, even if he was in the same car as Hamilton and Verstappen, I'd have thought, yeah, Alonso would give him a good go, maybe even beat them. But yeah, it's not 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 happening this year. Again, same with Perez. It's only four races in, so it's too early to say that oh, Alonso's passed it. He shouldn't have come back. Um, <laughs> but it's it's great for Ocon, though. I think we should really focus more on Ocon being doing really well rather than Alonso doing not so well. I mean, he's kind of starting to look like the driver that was so highly highly rated back in 20, 2017 and twenty eighteen, which is really good to see. And um, it looks like him and Alonso might have a, a car to, to fight Ferrari and McLaren, maybe. I mean, it was kind of strange in that the Alpine looked, Alpine rather, um, it looked really strong on Saturday in qualifying. You know, Alcon got P5. But yeah, then fifth, yeah. on Sunday, it didn't really look that good. The race pace was kind of a different, different kettle of fish entirely. So I'm not sure. Maybe the setup, they prioritized qualifying because it's so difficult to overtake, which... Would make sense, but maybe they just went a bit too far in that direction because they did both kind of plummet down the order in the end. They did, and Alonso in particular, he, um, you know, he, he was a bit light-hearted about it after the race, but um, <laughs> for him to attempt to one-stop after pitting so early, it didn't really pay dividends for him. But to be fair to him, he was, he was still running in the points and uh, defended admirably against a really long train of cars behind him, but he just couldn't quite eat those tyres out to the end, which um, ultimately yeah. cost him. No, I think he did an admirable job of trying it, though. I mean, he did, you know, Verstappen, his tyres were pretty destroyed. I mean, you know, when Hamilton overtook Verstappen, you got that that on board and you saw the rubber flying in, in Hamilton's face from the rear mm. of the rear tyres of Verstappen. So his were pretty to- uh, pretty much destroyed. And I think Alonso did something like seven more laps than Verstappen on his yeah. tyres, which says it all, really. Um, and like you said, he was... He was holding on for a long time and holding up five odd cars or something for for a good while. So I don't think it was that bad a drive. I think it was just insanity for for Alpine to try and put him on that strat. I mean, I get it. If you've got two cars, you may as well mix things up. But yeah, it was um, never really going to work. I don't think everyone was just waiting for his tyres to hit the cliff. And they did. But I mean... He, he he looks as good as ever wheel to wheel and yeah that, that car is looking i don't know personally i don't expect alpine to 
you know, if you asked me after even the second race, I would have thought Alpine are probably going to be fighting with Aston Martin and like Alpha mm. Tauri are going to be way ahead of them. But I mean, yeah, I did I definitely didn't expect them to be kind of closer to Ferrari and McLaren. I mean, did you? No, not at all. I think it's um, I think it's po- a positive sign though because Alonso has already he said before the season started that he's he's already kind of written off twenty twenty one in his mind as just being a season a to get back into it and b because the the sort of he's sort of resigned himself to the fact that the car's not going to be that competitive. But I, I think you know they're, they're looking better than, than most people thought they would. And I think they've made more progress in the first four races than any other team, probably. Mm. If you compare their performance at the first race to to Spain, I think they're the team that's made the biggest step forward. I mean, I, uh, Ferrari look a lot better too, but yeah, I'd say Alpine are definitely the ones that made the biggest step forward. Um, and if they keep going on that trajectory, then they'll be they'll be right up there with Ferrari and McLaren soon, which, uh, yeah, that'd be good fun. It was it was extremely packed like all the way through midfield, which was great to see. I mean, um, about four or five laps from the end, um, I counted there was there was six cars in the DRS train just going down the main straight together, just trying to fight for those um, those final points paying positions. Which um, you know, if, if that was further up the field, obviously we'd be um, we'd be thrilled with it. But it's just a shame this uh, it's a little bit further down. God, can you imagine if that was the fight for the win? That would be unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> oh, that's what you want to see next year, isn't it? <laughs> Well, that's that's the hope, but um, elsewhere, you know, in the midfield anyway, uh, Yuki Sonoda was uh, was an AlphaTauri's bad books, wasn't he? Yeah, that was kind of unbelievable, really. It was that interview after qualifying, and he kind of speaking to the press. He suggested that he didn't have the same car as Gasly, and after his lap um, in Q one, he was this effing car. You know, he can't believe it. He's really Lots of swear word. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's given Gunther Steiner a run for his money with the uh, swear jar tally, I think. I'll tell you what, Drive to Survive is going to have... Uh, <laughs> the sensor on Drive to Survive is going to be having a, a really uh, big job on his hands this year. But yeah. it, it was... Uh, yeah, it's, it's a weird one in your fourth race to to come straight out publicly and, and openly criticise your team. I don't like... <laughs> no matter how many... <laughs> no matter how much you apologise, I mean, you know, people aren't going to forget that kind of thing. Yeah, it's bold. <laughs> it's bold. It's... Yeah. Um, it's kind of a breath of fresh air for the spectators, at least. It's uh, don't often see this in F1. I mean, God, the drivers are all so well media trained, especially the young drivers. I think that yeah, I've never really see. And Sonoda is just complete opposite. I mean, he says what he wants, and then um, yeah, he's that old that that old expression of uh, he asked for uh, he asked for forgiveness, not permission. <laughs> Yeah, and um, you know, well, the fans like it, but you know, we'll see how uh, <laughs> we'll see how the rest of it pans out for him. But um, it's it's a shame that he hasn't really backed up his uh, the, the promise and talent he showed in his first race in Bahrain because he looked on the pace straight away, but he just seems to have fallen behind Pierre Gasly in the last few. Yeah, I think uh, this attitude he's got wouldn't be much of an issue if he was delivering on track, but he's not. Mm. So. Yeah, it's it's not a good idea when you're not doing too well on track to 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 attack your team off. I don't think, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. He looked obviously he was great in Bahrain, in Imola he did look really good in the first half. I mean, he fought his way up from the back of the grid to P10, but then he went into the gravel at the safety car restart. So I think we all know he's got the ability. It's just cutting out these these mistakes, which are. Becoming a bit too bit too common now, I think, and it's it's yeah. not it's not just the kind of clear outright mistakes. It's just the uh, you know the little corners that lose him a tenth here and there. 
Mm. Well, quite literal rookie errors, really. But you just hope he uh, hope he irons them out sooner rather than later for his sake. Yeah, again, it's early on, but you look at Mick Schumacher in the house, and he's not having many issues with the making the errors. It's kind of um, yeah, I think he's probably been more impressive than Sonoda so far, which a lot of people wouldn't have expected. No, not at all. I wanted to to mention Mick Schumacher anyway because he, you know, he had a he had a great getaway. He passed George Russell. He had already uh, outqualified Nicholas Nassifi in the Williams as well when when the Hassler was comfortably the worst car on the grid. Ultimately, he uh, he did drop back down again, but he finished fifty whole seconds ahead of Nikita Mazepin, and it's it's just looking like a gulf between the two of them at the minute. Oh, I just wish that Schumacher had one of Magnussen or Grosjean to go up against this year, so that we can mm. actually kind of judge how good he is. Yeah, um, the proper barometer, yeah. Yeah, because it is really difficult to judge. Is he is he unbelievable? Is this like kind of Verstappen level of destroying teammates? Or is Mazepin just <laughs> com- just completely horrendous? You know, it's, it's hard to tell. It's probably a bit of both. But yeah, I mean, it's been really impressive for him. Yeah, really good on him as well. I was watching the uh, the first round of the Formula 3 championship uh, as a support race, and I enjoy seeing David Schumacher in there, who's Ralph Schumacher's son. So they could end up <laughs> having Schumacher cousins on the grid one day, which would be great to see. But one thing like Michael was supposedly so good at was you know getting to know every member of the team and um, making sure that everyone was looked after and everyone was uh, was valued really. And uh, like Mick, <laughs> he does look like he's um, he's sort of building that team around him at Haas at the minute. Yeah, and I mean, I think, Gunther Stein is not one to to mince his words. I don't think he's really going to give massive praise to a driver if he doesn't really think they deserve it. But I mean, the way he speaks about Schumacher, he seems so impressed by him. And he seems really kind of taken in by him already, as the whole team do. I think he is, um, yeah, getting that whole team behind him, um, which is really important. And uh, yeah, I think he's next year, if they have a decent car, I think it's very obvious he's going to be the lead driver in that in that pairing. <laughs> Absolutely, but um, like really good on him for for the way he started. But um, to round up the rest of the race, then um, some very bizarre action in the pit stop, um, especially for Antonio Giovinazzi, who tried to take advantage of uh, of the safety car, but it didn't really go that well for him, did it? Yeah, that was a weird one. It was uh, I don't think I've ever seen it before. When they were about to fit the tire, they realised that one of the the new tires they had, new quote unquote, was punctured. Which I mean. Mm. Yeah, fair play to the team for figuring it out before they put it on the car, to be fair. Yeah, great work from that mechanic. You know, you could see him sort of punching the tire. He could feel that it was flat already. And then they had to they had to sprint back into the garage and get an entire new set of tires because obviously you can't just change one tire. So yeah. they had to go get four new tires. And then that ultimately um, left him uh, with a 35-second pit stop. And uh, when the safety, the safety car was in the next lap, so he, he ended up with like a good like 15, 20 seconds behind the rest of the field, which completely yeah. backfired for him. Yeah, he didn't any time to make close up that gap before the safety car came back in which uh yeah it was rough but yeah it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't the only pit stop chaos we got we got I mean, when when Verstappen came in for his pit um at the time we looked at it and we thought oh that's a bit slow but it's not a massive issue it turns out they didn't even know he was coming in you know they just no. sat there watching the the same tv feed as the rest of us and it's like oh god he's coming into the pits i mean <laughs> no, that, that shows just how good red bull's pit crew is isn't it that oh god, they yeah, didn't but... even know and yet they can kind of style it out so well that we, no one yeah. even noticed there was a big issue i say well they are the, they are the class of the grid on that front aren't they they've, they've gone like sub two seconds on two or three pit stops already this season but for them to to be caught completely unaware that the staff was coming in was uh, you know a bit a bit of a, a bit of a strange one on their part but likewise with Lewis Hamilton for his second stop like um 
the the decision looked like it was coming, but they, uh, it looks like they made that at the very, very last second. I say that we just add a rule in where the teams aren't allowed to know when their drivers are coming in. I mean, how much fun would that be? <laughs> yeah. It would mix things up. It would really test the ability of the pit crews. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, and, um, they sort of staggered against the uh, the bigger teams as well because if you if you win the constructors championship, you get the first uh, get yeah. the first pit slot in in the grid. So you know the least time to react. And if you're at Williams, for example, you've got got more time to think about. It's yeah. like, you know, it's, it's, it's a little leveler. There you go. It makes it. That, who needs the 2022 regulations? This would just even things out as it is. But just yeah, just listen to us. You know, yeah, genuinely, I reckon that can be quite entertaining to watch. You could definitely mix things up. Yeah, they just have the tyres ready on standby so they can know which ones they're uh, they're going on next. But yeah, they just don't know when. It would be awful for the pit crew. Then. They wouldn't be able to sit down and relax <laughs> for one second of the race. They'd be, they'd be terrified, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good that they can they can try new things like that. But um, ultimately, like one uh, one thing that has been one of part of the fabric of Formula 1 for a very long time will be Monaco next time up. And if uh, you know if we get a race like we did in Spain, hopefully that would be that'd be a good one. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I saw the Formula E race in Monaco this weekend. It was unbelievable. I mean, if we get one like that, I'll be very happy indeed. But yeah, it's. <laughs> I, I doubt it, to be honest. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know. I'm sure it's still great. I am so happy to be going back there after a year out. I did really miss it on the calendar um, just for it's just so iconic um and it is such a challenge for the drivers as well. You know, even if it's mm. not the most entertaining race, it is. The, the the biggest test of ability and skill that there is on the calendar, I'd say. And I mean, qualifying is alone is one of the best sessions of the year a lot of the time. Um, I mean, it's more important than the race, really, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, Daniel Ricciardo said after um, after Spain on Sunday that, uh, you know, when when you retire, you can you can take a road car to Barcelona and drive around, but you can't do that with Monaco. So, so that makes it, you know, even more special for, for the drivers to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, I am. I am really excited for it, actually, which I wouldn't find because I never loved it when it was on the calendar because the race always turns out to be a bit. I mean, if you if you've got track position, then you're going to be all right, effectively. Um, so, yeah, I was I, I never loved it. But after a year out, I am so excited to go back to it, you know, just for the just for just for the event as a whole. Yeah, which will be uh, which will be really good to see. I mean, hopefully, uh, hopefully, strategy plays plays its part again because it, it really added to the spectacle in Spain. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and I think it's going to have to. If I don't know, if we assume that, well, which I, I don't know, which team's going to be faster there? Uh, maybe probably Mercedes. <laughs> It'll be tight though, I think. But yeah, if we assume that um, if Mercedes were quicker, for example, then for Red Bull to win, they'd probably have to do it in the pits. I mean, we saw it a few years ago where Verstappen was stuck behind Hamilton for the end for the final stage of the race and he just couldn't get past. I remember he, he tried to move out of the tunnel, which didn't quite put, didn't quite work. But I mean if, if Max Verstappen can't barge his way past someone then then nobody can. So yeah, strategy is <laughs> gonna be crucial for sure. Unfortunately, it's not going to be this weekend, but uh, like Thursday practice will take place on the 20th of May and, uh, and we'll really look forward to that, hopefully. Um, but that is, that's, that's all we've got time for today. Uh, Finley, thank you so much for joining me. No worries, no worries. Just uh, yeah, happy to have 
a fair amount to talk about for a Spanish Grand Prix. Long may it continue. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, make sure you uh, you follow us on social media as well. You can find Planet F1 on Facebook. We are at Planet underscore F1 on Twitter and Planet F1 com on Instagram. And as always, you can keep up with all the latest stories on planetf1.com. Uh, this has been Talking Point. Thank you so much for listening. We will speak to you next time. Bye. At AJ Products, we offer workplace solutions for office, school, warehouse and environment. But at AJ, we do things differently. Our approach to quality and innovation means we design and make many of our own products, giving a more unique and personal service to our customers. All office furniture made in our factory is supported by AJ Products' sustainably managed 11,000 acre forest. Visit ajproducts.ie or call 01 28 11 700. AJ Products. Surprisingly more. Ask AJ. Sports Social Podcast Network.